I think no one is above the law. I mean, that's a great thing about our country. We're a rule of law country. I, I think everyone that had a part in it needs to be held accountable. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And welcome to the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We are actually going to roll right into the show, and we're going to start off with the lowdown, where we talk all things Apple. Um, If you have been living under a rock, you have probably not heard or not seen, which is impossible, but uh, all of the insurrection and all of the storming of the state capitol and all of the fallout as a result of all that. Uh, We mentioned in the pre-show, which if you're not a Patreon supporter, you need to get on that so you can find out what we discussed. Uh, But to give you a, a breakdown, Big Tech has got involved and uh, Apple, uh, specifically Tim Cook this week, uh, joined CBS this morning and uh, talked about um, his thoughts about the whole insurrection, his thoughts about Trump, his thoughts about whether or not Trump should be in, impeached. Um, and he gave some quotes. So I want to definitely just read some of these quotes. Um when he was asked about whether or not it, people should be held accountable, specifically Trump, this is one of the tweets he said, I think it's key. I think it's key that people be held accountable for it. This is not something that we should skate. This is something we've got to be very serious about and understand. And then we need to move forward. Then when asked specifically about Trump, he said, I think no one is above the law. That's the great thing about our country. We're a rule of law country. I think everyone who had a part in it needs to be held accountable. I don't think we should let it go. I think holding people accountable is important. So actually what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to actually give you the audio version of that because I wanted you to hear it from his words because, of course, I'm not Tim Cook. So it sounds a little different uh, coming from me. Key that uh, people be held accountable for it. This is not something that should skate. This is something that we've got to be very serious about and understand and um, and that we need to move forward. Do you think the president, President Trump, should be held accountable for it when you said people should be held accountable? There's a whole discussion about that even as we sit here today. I think no one is above the law. I mean, that's a great thing about our country. We're a rule of law country. I, I think everyone that had a part in it needs to be held accountable. We're all told this as a little kid. There are consequences to your actions, but I don't know how we just let this go. I would agree. Uh, I don't think we should let it go. I think holding people accountable is is important. Um, I think he feels in so many words, he didn't say it directly, but he pretty much said, you know, Trump being the president, Trump being the leader, Trump being the one that instigated and uh, started all this, you know, is not above the law, even though he is the president. So I guess I wanted to get your opinions on how you feel, Tim Cook specifically, but I guess big tech as a whole, how they've handled this. What are you? What are your thoughts on that? Um, again, um, similar to what we mentioned in the pre-show, you know, the fact that they're taking these steps are are good. 
but it still doesn't negate the fact that these folks are still culpable. For four years, you know, he's been using social media, he's been dragging out these tech folks, you know, for photo ops, and, you know, they felt they've had to appease him, um, just so that, that they don't do any, that, so that, you know, he doesn't do anything to negative, negatively impact their business. But now, what, last week, it was like two day, two weeks before he leaves office, you know, they're showing up and, you know, we're taking these swift steps and actions. No, you're not. This has been going on since before this man got into office. You know, I can appreciate that you're doing something now, but again, it's two weeks, you know, out from, you know, the time when this originally happened to everyone making these sweeping statements. And I will say, you know, the internet never forgets. As they would say in Game of Thrones, the North remembers. Right. Um, there's no way the folks who have appeased him, coddled him, um, they aren't going to come out of this unscathed. It's, it's like I said, it's great they're doing something now, but again, it's only seven days, I think, now um, for him to be out. So, right. I mean, you don't get no big kudos or pats on the back from me, in my opinion, is what you should have done anyway and what you should have done a long time ago. Right. No, I, I agree completely. Um, I, again, I appreciate the fact that uh, big tech is finally stepping up and doing something that the government can't even do, which kind of leads into the question of free speech and First Amendment, which, again, I don't understand why people don't get this. But free speech and the First Amendment does not apply to private companies, Twitter, Facebook, all these companies that have blocked Trump and blocked some of these other people are private companies. They do not fall under the First Amendment because they are not a part of the government. Now, if somebody says something crazy and then the government arrests you, then you say free speech, First Amendment, yada, yada, yada. But uh, these companies are private run companies. They've got uh, end user license agreement. They've got terms of services at all in so many words gives them the freedom to say, if we want to kick you off, we're going to kick you off and there's nothing you can do about it. So that's it's, civ that. it's, civics, it's civics 101. They are taking, you know, these constitutional rights and applying them to situations that they don't apply to. Mm -hmm. it, it, it does not apply. And you are able to have free speech. You are saying exactly what you want to say on these platforms. This guy has a whole um, White House press corps. He can have, he can have, uh, a, a, a meeting or what do you call it, a press conference every five minutes if he wanted to right. and he'd still be able to speak he just wants his unfettered access and that's not how this works and let's not forget that you can say quote unquote whatever you want but words mean a lot of things mm -hmm. and there are consequences to your actions so you can go out and say the things that you're saying which you have but let's not forget that those words have consequences. Free speech does not absolve you from consequences for the things that you've said. Or and the, that's just the bottom line. Or the, in this case, the destruction that your words yeah. have caused. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice, you know, argument to have, but it doesn't hold water from what the reasons why tech companies have blocked him. And it doesn't hold water for the reason why 
Democrats are now moving forward with impeachment because what you say and the effects of those words, in this case, the destruction or the, you know, storming of the Capitol, you know, your words that caused that action, you are just as accountable as the people who actually did it. So, um, yep. So we'll move, move right along. Speaking of, uh, Apple and things of that nature, um, uh, Apple is actually, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, there was rumors that Apple was in talks to or thinking about or making plans to uh, come out with a actual Apple vehicle. You know, before that, they were going to do a vehicle. And then after that, accordingly, they scrapped it and said they were just going to develop technology for automation, uh, not not automation, autonomous vehicle technology. Autonomous. And now they're back in the news about making an Apple car. Of course, markets went crazy. All the tech people are talking about whether they should, whether they shouldn't. And uh, one of the companies supposedly that Apple was in talks with about making a car was Hyundai. So, of course, when the leaks came out, people found out that Hyundai was one of the people that Apple was talking to, whether it be for Hyundai to make the car or Apple to uh, license the technology for for Hyundai to make their own car. Um, (laughs) Hyundai said, wait a minute, let's set the record clear. So they, they came out and um, came out with their uh, statement. And I just wanted to read a a little bit of it here. Uh, Hyundai in saying Friday, which I think was two weeks ago, that it has held discussions with Apple and it was at an early stage. Nothing has been decided. Um, in a later statement, they said they uh, Apple had fielded requests of potential cooperation on electric vehicles from multiple companies, Hyundai just being one of them. So um, I guess the reason why I put this story in here was um, why do you think Hyundai didn't say yes we were one of the people and Apple is, is in talks with us in order to ride this wave. And then um, what does it say about Apple talking to Hyundai? Why do you think they're talking to them? Are they talking to them to for Hyundai to make the car? Are they talking to Hyundai for Apple to create the technology for Hyundai to go uh, autonomous or all electric? What do you, what, what do you think where your stance is? Honestly, I'm not quite sure because I, I find it interesting that they wouldn't lean in, lean into this, that, you know, they've talked with Apple unless they have their own type of autonomous vehicle or electric vehicle coming out and they don't want to confuse the two. I find it, I find it strange that they, that they aren't really saying, yeah, 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 it was us. We, we were talking to them. It was us. Um, I find that strange one and two, um, in all likelihood, I think discussions that they had, will probably relate it to manufacturing, maybe, you know, using Hyundai plants to assemble their cars mm-hmm. or, you know, trying to, you know, maybe work out a possible deal of sharing, you know, um, manufacturing plants. I'm not, I, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's hard to say because I, it's hard to say. It really mm-hmm. is hard to say. Right. Well, my, my, I'm guessing my opinion is that they want to keep it a low profile because 
if it gets out that Apple is in fact talking to Hyundai, then they, you know, kind of want to keep it close to the vest because they don't want other car companies to say, oh, let's see if we can offer Apple a sweeter deal, you know, more mm. money, bigger manufacturing plant, you know, more technology or whatever the case may be. And then that kind of bumps Hyundai out of the running because money talks, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if other people can offer Apple a sweeter deal, whatever the case may be, Apple may then move away versus just saying, well, look, you know, we're just, we, we, we're nobodies. Don't pay attention to us. You know, look over there, mm-hmm. squirrel, right? <laughs> 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 to get us to change the subject so they can, you know, so we can forget about this. Don't so look they can, at me. Don't look at me. Right. So then they can, right. So they can continue to, you know, have these talks on the low. Um, but as far as, you know, what does this mean that Apple's talking to Hyundai? I'm, uh, I'm interested to see, you know, if Apple does partner with anybody, what is the level of that relationship? You know, who's doing what? You know, is Apple making the car and Hyundai is providing the plant or the manufacturing site or the parts? You know, is Apple licensing some sort of technology to Hyundai and Hyundai is going to, it's going to be a branded Hyundai car? But it's going to have Apple guts in it, you know, as far as the technology, whatever the case may be. I'm interesting to see, you know, how it all fleshes right, out, regardless of who ends up being the partner or who partners with them. So that'll be interesting to see. All right. Uh, the last thing amongst all of this stuff, amongst these riots and insurrections, you know, we talked about the pre-show with the uh, the uh, NCAA football championship and. All that whole super spreader stuff, again, to get the details, you got to be a part of the Patreon group. Uh, Amongst all of that, you got the NFL playoffs going on. You got the NBA started. We got COVID. We got uh, impeachment. Impeachment. We've got, you know, all that we got, uh, you know, all this stuff going on. And little old CES is still kind (laughs) of trying to figure it out. They've been all they've been virtual. Uh, I actually got access to CES. And again, all of this stuff has been happening. I haven't even begun to try to. I haven't logged me. I have access to. Right. I haven't looked at a single thing. Right, right. But um, I did uh, was able to dig out some information from CES as it relates to Apple. And it looks like Sony has announced um, AirPlay 2 and HomeKit compatible TVs at CES. So uh, according to the story, um, um Sony has announced a range of 8K and 4K TVs that have the usual array of eye-catching features and buzzwords, blah, 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 blah. Two of those buzzwords are HomeKit and AirPlay 2. Um, so so you can think of some of the uh, features that would be uh, with a Sony TV coming out with HomeKit, HomeKit. In addition to HomeKit, means that the users can interact with their TV using Siri or the home app on their iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and Mac. Perfect for those times where you can't find the TV remote again. For example, um, I over the weekend, I got a finally got a video doorbell. Um, I specifically looked for one that had HomeKit uh, secure recording compatibility. The one I picked up was the, um, it's the Logitech uh, Circle View home doorbell. And it connects directly with HomeKit, so it's directly connected. And the cool thing about it is if somebody rings on the doorbell, since I have Apple TV and I use that to stream television, 
anytime somebody knocks on a doorbell, I get a little camera image in the corner of my television, and then I can actually use my Apple TV remote to view the front door on my television because I'm using Apple. So for those who may not be using a Apple TV set-top box, if they get this Sony television that has HomeKit built in and they're using their Sony smart TV to stream Netflix, to stream Hulu, whatever the case may be, uh, they'll still get that functionality because it's got HomeKit built in. Um, another thing with AirPlay 2 is you can connect, like I mentioned before in the pre-show, I'm going to keep plugging it, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that with AirPlay 2, you can stream uh, music and entertainment. So if you've got a television show playing, and again, you don't have to use an Apple TV. If you've got the Sony TV that has AirPlay 2, you can stream it to other AirPlay 2 enabled devices like the HomePod and the HomePod Mini. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, personally on a personal note, because, you know, the TVs I've got are, man, I can't remember the last time I bought a television. It's been it's been over five, eight years. So probably in the next two or three years, I will be in the market for a television. And on a personal note, I am glad that Sony is coming out with HomeKit and AirPlay compatibility because that means I'll have more options versus trying to pump everything through my Apple television. So uh, when was the last time you purchased a television? Oh, it's been several Black Fridays ago. Um, I think the last one I got was a 55-inch Samsung Smart TV. Mm -hmm. And that was maybe three years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's about three or four years. Yep. So, it's nice to see that some of these companies are finally jumping on the Apple boat because before, you know, everything was Android TV, Google TV, you know, all the Chromecast and all that good stuff. So it's nice to see that some companies like a major player like Sony is jumping on the home kit train as well. So, yeah. And Charles just chimed in. He says, um, you mentioned your, your, um, doorbell, mm-hmm. um, your video doorbell. He said that he uses ring with Homebridge, yeah, he said that way he can use Amazon uh, Alexa to talk to the front door. Right. So he just got the he got a t- oh this last this past December. Okay. All right. Um, a LG sixty five inch OLED. All right. So nice. shout, shout out to Charles. He's one of our uh, snobbest Patreon supporters, and he's watching us live, so he gets a shout out on the actual show. So we definitely want to appreciate that. And to respond, um, I see a lot of people using Homebridge, and basically what Homebridge is is an intermediary for devices who normally aren't compatible they can use homebridge as compatibility to be able to connect to things that wouldn't normally connect so in theory i could have used any doorbell you know smart doorbell use homebridge and run it on my mac or run it on a raspberry pi people buy raspberry pis a little tiny hacker computers that you can connect things together, put Homebridge on it, and then connect those two normally non-compatible products. But that's if I'm trying to detechify my house, if that makes any sense, and not to be morbid, <laughs> but if I was to drop off the face of the earth tomorrow, uh, my home would treat my family, my wife and kids like aliens. <laughs> they, they wouldn't know how to. I don't know you. Right. <laughs> they wouldn't know how to connect nothing. They wouldn't know how to turn on nothing. They wouldn't know how to turn off nothing. They wouldn't be able to access pictures and videos because I got all this 
intertwined, interconnected, all this stuff that works in my head, but it's in my head. So, you know, something would happen, they wouldn't be able to control it. So, um, I'm trying to make it one for one, which is why I'm trying to go all home kit, you know, so since my kids, since my wife, they all have Apple products, they got MacBooks, they got iPhones, they got iPads. Since I'm trying to detectify my house, I'm trying to uh, upgrade or, you know, remodel or swap out the current products that I have that aren't HomeKit or aren't HomeKit compatible and trying to do that, that one-to-one connection. So if they, if something were to happen or they just need to do something, they tired of asking me, or I'm tired of them asking me, it's easier if everything is automatically interoperable from the word go versus using something like HomeBridge, you know, because people that I know do use it a lot and they love it. But again, it's not written down somewhere. So, you know, I'm trying to keep it as low tech as possible to get them to use technology more versus asking me all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely appreciate, appreciate you for that comment, Charles. Uh, and I think that's going to do it for the lowdown. We're going to move into second string where we talk all things tech in general. Um, we kind of talked about the, you know, insurrection and all that stuff. You know, um, there's still some other stories that's kind of related. And there was a story that I saw that I think last week um, there were a lot of people who originally left Twitter and Facebook to go to like, uh, yeah, like to go to Parler. And then when they found out Parler's getting, you know, locked down and getting banned from Apple and Google Play, there are a lot of people who are moving to um, Signal and Telegram and even WhatsApp, right? But um, <laughs> WhatsApp kind of got into a little trouble because uh, in the midst of all that, they were, they had decided that they were going to share data with WhatsApp. So when Facebook bought WhatsApp, their thing was, we're not going to share data. We're going to treat WhatsApp like its own company, so on and so forth. And then I'd say a week ago, amongst all of this stuff that was happening, WhatsApp or Facebook rather put out this press release saying that they're going to share data with uh, Facebook. So of course, all the people who are already spooked about, you know, private date, private privacy and data security, you know, signal and telegram. In addition to the influx of people who were coming from parlor, they were also leaving WhatsApp because they didn't want to be tracked, you know, whether it be for nefarious reasons or just, I'm tired of giving Facebook my data. I don't want to give them my phone number that I've got in WhatsApp no more. I don't want to give them any of this data. So telegram and uh, telegram and signals, numbers of people subscribing like shot up shot up so much that whatsapp was like wait a minute <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. slow down people let let us explain exactly what we mean about happened was. right <laughs> so recently whatsapp just published a new faq to its paid website outlining its stances for user privacy in response to the widespread backlash over an over an upcoming privacy policy update. Of course, you know, again, this is in response of everybody, you know, shouting, leave Facebook, leave Facebook. Elon Musk put out a the richest man in the world now, put out a tweet that said, 
leave fate, you know, leave WhatsApp, go to, I think he went, I think he even mentioned signal uh, my name specifically. And you know how people love Elon Musk. So, you know, all those people started leaving. So Facebook said they put out all these tweets that they got some of their people. Um, this guy, Adam Masseri, I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's one of the original um, people who created um, uh, WhatsApp. He put out Instagram. One of them, he put out a tweet that says there's a lot of information about the WhatsApp terms of service right now. Policy update does not affect the privacy of your messages with friends and family in any way. The changes are related to messaging a business on WhatsApp, which is optional, (laughs) which is fine. Why didn't you say that in the first place? My problem Mm -hmm. with it, my problem with this is. WhatsApp, Facebook, as a, as a parent company, they were trying to be vague on purpose and telling people what these new changes and they're going to share data with thinking nobody was going to notice. If they put out specific hardcore things, then people would notice that and they would cite it, right? They thought nobody was paying attention. People were paying attention. So why can you just outline specifically what the data was in the first place? Again, that's just, uh, it wasn't, um, they didn't put out the updated terms of service um, as the right thing they do. They did it because they were facing backlash. Again, why do you have to fake backlash? Why can't you just do the right thing? Because it's the right thing to do. So I, I guess I just wanted mm-hmm. to get your opinion on, you know, uh, Facebook changing, almost doing a 180 on the information that they put out themselves and then had to backtrack on. Don't trust it. <laughs> I, short answer, I don't trust it. Right. The fact that they put out that statement, and I think the article that we read from, it said, you know, Facebook is going to share your data with um, WhatsApp and there's nothing you can do about it. So deal with it. That was kind of the gist uh-huh, of the uh-huh, headline, I uh-huh. think. And so it was kind of like one of those things that they were kind of puffing out their chest and saying, we own WhatsApp. We can do what we want with uh-huh. WhatsApp. And you can't tell us what to do. Now that they are seeing that people are like, oh, so this is what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Not realizing or recognizing that people have options. And I, from my understanding, um, some people that I follow on Twitter um, in the security space, they've been touting Signal for a long time because mm-hmm. it's so much more secure anyway. Right. So they were trying to flex, trying to stunt and it backfired. Mm-hmm. And now that they are deciding to say, well, wait, that's not quite what we meant. And that's not, I don't, I don't trust it. Mm-hmm. Because who's to say that, you know, buried somewhere deep in all the legalese that, you know, the data still will be shared and right. it's not protected. Right. So I don't, I don't trust it. I already don't trust Facebook a whole lot anyway, uh-huh. but this whole thing that they've done They've completely changed course in a week and how you can change course in a week on your privacy policy when I'm sure it's been months and months of work uh, prior to this. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you can say, nope, nope, we can we can change. We can do a 180. That's that's not what it really means. I don't find that reasonable. Right. And I don't find that logical and I don't find that as the truth. Right. Because and- there's no way you can back out those changes or you you're not going to scrap your whole architecture all the data and all the code that you've written across i'm sure multiple teams and say well we changed our mind and and that's not quite it i don't trust it and even if even if we're wrong right even if we're incorrect 
And even if we're misstating, even if Facebook is right and saying y'all read too much into this, this is what we actually meant. This is the information that's correct. Even if we're wrong, the fact that again, the fact that they didn't were, were not was not upfront to begin with and laid it all out ahead of time. They only laid it all out after they faced backlash instead of doing it up front, you know, again, just leads to the idea, like you said, can't trust them. You know, who's to say six months down the road when all this dies down and we've changed channel and we're talking about something else, whether it be, you know, vaccinations or whatever the case may be, you know, uh, they'll re uh, they'll revisit this whole privacy thing, because again, you know, going all the way back, like I mentioned before, you know, Facebook was like, oh, we're not going to share data with WhatsApp. Now they're saying, well, y'all got it wrong. We're only making it optional for businesses on WhatsApp to interact with their Facebook customers. You know, again, who's to say six months down the road to say, eh, we're going to share it anyway. <laughs> and, and if that was the case, why didn't they say that up front? Right. That's what you know, has me the most concerned. If you knew from the beginning that it was going to be business to client type of conversations, then why didn't you just say that up front? Right. Like I said, they were trying to flex uh-huh. and then and it blew up in their face. Got, <laughs> they got, it, got, it blew up in their face. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. All right. Don't trust it. Yeah. So uh, speaking of WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, and this whole insurrection thing, like kind of mentioned before, there was a good story that I read on Forbes. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to go into it in detail, but there's a pretty pretty good story behind um, the people who created Signal and Telegram and how their initial reasonings for creating the companies and Signal and Telegram, for those who don't know, think of them as WhatsApp, but just a standalone encrypted person to person messaging service. So it's not SMS because the radio, I mean the radio, the wireless companies own SMS, right? It's not iMessage because Apple owns iMessage and only Apple people who help own Apple devices can talk. It's not WhatsApp because Facebook, you know, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff is interweaved together. So it's an interesting story about how they created signal and telegram because it's encrypted because you can't, you know, you don't have to share data with Facebook because you can talk to people on Android and iOS, you know, so they they kind of initially touted themselves as this, we are the best messaging systems because we don't share your data. We don't sell your data and it's interoperable amongst all different platforms. Well, that's kind of the story then kind of turns about how that's kind of biting them in the butt now because they're so encrypted because they can't share your data because they don't sell your data. People are starting to flock to their services. Think of the people who left parlor. So the people who were leaving, who left Facebook because they thought that Facebook was censoring them and their first amendment rights were getting violated um, they left Facebook and went to Parler because that was their free place to have a community. Now that Parler's being, you know, shut down or blocked and banned by Apple and Google and all these other places, now they're starting to flock to Signal and Telegram. So it's almost like um, they've created a monster 
And I don't see how they're going to be able to back out of this because it's not a community. Think of, think of, think of Facebook as I can put a post out there and it's public. So anybody that searches for it or anybody that stumbles, stumbles upon it can read it. So Facebook and Twitter do have some control over that. But you think about a text message, you think about a message that I, me, Terrence, sends to you, that's not public. I specifically sent that to you. So it's almost impossible for Signal and Telegram to actually read that, moderate it, and see if there's some nefarious, if I'm, if, if I'm talking to Nika to do, a, for example, a drug deal, or we're going to do some sort of crime, or we're going to plan this event where we go to the Capitol and do this, whatever we're going to do. They've created a monster that's so insulated that has this big giant moat around it that the people that they are now finding as their customers are, is that the customer, right? (laughs) Is that the, is that the group that they were originally catering to or, right? (laughs) So I just thought that was a good story. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And again, we'll put the link in the show notes a bit. Definitely check it out. It's a nice long read, but it's pretty interesting about how they started one way and then it kind of turned and now they're with this problem to where we've got all these new customers, but are these the customers that we actually want? Right. I, I find it, I find this whole notion very interesting. And like I, like I mentioned, I've seen people on, on Twitter that I follow that are reputable people who have been championing, championing signal um, as an alternative to WhatsApp for a long time mm-hmm. for the fact that your communication is secure. It's, it's private. And it's not easily acceptable, accessible. Right. So it makes sense that as people are more concerned about, you know, the government or whoever eavesdropping on their conversations, having access to it, you know, they're taking it as a personal affront to, you know, their privacy. But now in the wake of what happened last week, you know, I, I was looking at the news today and apparently um, on the 16th, there's this big plot to, you know, descend on all of the state capitals in the country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is being done on Telegram. Mm-hmm. So it's their product for what its original intention was mm-hmm. is great. It doesn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. It's keeping your private conversations private. Mm-hmm. But what none of these folks could have anticipated is that now their software is being used to cause harm mm-hmm. and destruction to the entire company. That's nothing that you can plan for. Right. So now the question is, how do they prepare to handle this influx of people who are coming onto their site for the sole purpose of creating chaos and, you know, planning these plots and terror plots and, you know, coups and you know that affect a large amount of people because like i used the 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 example that i used earlier between me and you if i'm trying to set up a drug deal to sell some weed or do some have this major you know drug organization that affects a small subset of people versus you think about what they did last week at the capitol that was a large organized telestrated plot set up via 
Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, so on and so forth. So it's, it, like you said, it is, it is interesting at how they built this thing. And if you build it, they will come. I think there's the, you know, the term, you know. Build of dreams. Right. So here they come. Now what can they do? How can they turn it, dial it down? It's almost impossible because, you know, like I mentioned. I don't think they can't. They can't read. They can't read. It's so encrypted that Telegram and Signal don't have access to the things in the first place. So if they don't have access, if the FBI or whomever comes to signal and telegram says, we've got this case, you know, we need to turn over this data. They're like, I can't help you. We can't do it. So that's almost like we can do. Right. So it's almost like a, you know, a haven. It's almost like it's a safe haven. And I know this kind of sounds 180 to what we've said before. Right. Because we've always talked about, you know, use Apple as, as an example and say, you know, um, Apple has been, uh, involved in cases to where, you know, harm has been done, you know, the FBI, whatever alphabet soup government has come to Apple and says, Hey, we need you to help us with these cases. And Apple was like, you know, we have to good or bad protect our users data because that's what we promised them. And for us to then go back and do that, that breaks the trust, blah, 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 all this other stuff. So it's almost like a good and bad that they have to tiptoe this line. And I don't know how they're going to be, be able to do it, especially in this heightened, you know, sense of, you know, um, uh, just this heightened division and things that are going on. You'll, we'll definitely see more of this to come. Yeah. All right. Definitely. Yep. So um, that's it for uh, second string where we talk all things tech. Uh, we'll move into uh, for the culture. Um, I think, you know, COVID has kind of put a clamp on all of our fun, uh, including the our, our uh, popular versus um, uh, platform that, you know, for those who don't know, you know, COVID locked everything down. Nobody can tour. So a lot of our favorite uh, artists have joined together to try to give us some extra content. And that kind of turned into this big old thing to where, you know, now these versus battles, which I don't really think they're battles, but they call it versus, you know, they have sparked this whole new thing. So now they're starting to ramp back up. The next one on the docket for January 21st at 8 PM is Ashanti versus Keisha Cole. Now I've said it before, <laughs> I said it before. I said it with uh, who did I say it with before? I said it with Brandy, Brandy and Monica, Monica, and even before mm-hmm. that, I said it with somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Um, uh, but remember. my sentiment was they don't have enough hits to have a versus battle. And Nika argued me up and down and said Monica and Brandy, blah, 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 blah. right? And I was proven correct, right? So now I'm going to say it again <laughs> with Ashanti versus Keisha Cole. So I'm going to ask you again, do you think these ladies have enough hits to put on a uh, a show similar to what we've grown accustomed to? So before we get into that, the original, like you mentioned, intent of Versus was to bring content during the COVID, mm-hmm. during COVID. Mm-hmm. And before the both the art, the artists will be in separate locations. Mm-hmm. The last, I don't know, six or seven or so verses have been folks in the same room. Okay. This is actually a redo. This was actually supposed to happen in December, I believe. 
but Ashanti was out gallivanting all over the world and she got COVID. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. Yes. She got COVID. Um, It was announced a couple of days. No, the day of the verses that she couldn't do it because she had COVID. So she tried to say she got it from, you know, a relative that day and everybody was calling BS because it takes a few days for it to show up. Uh-huh. She was just in Kenya doing a photo shoot, uh-huh. but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so the whole thing was that this battle is overdue. So honestly, I don't care no more because they missed their moment. <laughs> right. They missed their um, moment. Right. And so now they're going back to the original verses where, where they, they were separate. Going to do it in separate locations. Okay. Right. So that's kind of the background. This is a redo from a month ago. Right. So let me um, ask you this. Well, well, hold that thought. Uh, well, hold my original question, and then let me ask you this new question since you just brought that up. Is the result or the after effect of this whole Ashanti versus Keisha Cole thing, uh, add that with all of the people that we were starting to see at these verses live in person? Because you think of the... Um, you think of the Gucci yes and and, and yes all those people that were there. You think of um I, well, I can't think of nobody's names now. Two chains and the boss Rick Ross. They were mm-hmm. in a strip club. All the you know so you you were starting to see more and more people gathered at these events in the midst of this pandemic. Yes, you can say they counter were, to what the original intent for versus was. Right. That you could say they were tested. You could say they were negative. You could say all these things. You could say they were socially distanced. You could say they had on masks. We know that wasn't the case. So you add that in with Ashanti catching COVID right before they were supposed to go on is versus now saying, okay, we're going to have to go back to the original intent as a result, a direct effect of Ashanti and Keisha Cole and them having to reschedule due to one of them catching COVID. So wait, what was the question? Oh, about I was going to, I was going to say is them going back to the original format, a direct result of not taking COVID seriously. And as a result, you know, one of their events actually having to be rescheduled due to one of the partners catching, you know, getting the pandemic. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this was the whole, the whole point of versus was because we couldn't gather. And I think they got too lost in the sauce and the popularity of it. Because they were they gathering. Got too wrapped of the, of, of, yeah. And they got, you know, you know, as they say, too big for their britches because they started doing more and more and more. But what ri- originally brought that amount of people to the versus battle was it was more personal. You know, it was more personal. It came out of need, and then they com- they commercialized. Right, right. And while it was better optics, right. you know, they had like their whole setups and all that kind of stuff. It took out. It took away from the original intent to me, and it made it more commercialized. I get, you know, they realized they could make money from this, so they were using it as a money making mm-hmm. venture. I get it, but you know. I'm glad that they're going back to the original intent of the artists in their house or in, in their, their studio, studio, right? Whatever the case may be, and streaming it from there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it wasn't that, you know, before they started doing the in person thing, it wasn't that the audio and stuff was bad because they had put together a kit, 
on how to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it had gotten a lot better Mm -hmm. from, you know, Teddy Riley, (laughs) you know, the previous. Um, But yeah, I, I'm glad that they're going back to what it originally was and hopefully they'll keep it that way because if anything we've learned, COVID is much worse now Uh than it was when it first started. So there's an even greater need to have things separate. So that's kind of that. Um, As far as back to your original question, do they have enough hits? Right. Um, I think they have enough hits for their audience. Okay. Um, And I know um, Ashanti has a lot of writing credits. Uh So I think she may have more than Keisha Cole, right. if you add in the things that she's written for other people and produced. Or featured on, for, right. Or featured on, right. But for the people who are going to watch this, they have the hits. Now, to someone who was like, um, I'm not really into right. R&B like that, I don't think they have any huge, uh, they don't have 20 crossover, widely known um songs so uh this is just a thought that just popped in my head (laughs) and i'm ashamed for even thinking it but do you think (laughs) do you so you made good points about the reason why they uh got commercialized got too big for the britches got to dial it back you know kind of took away from the original intent which is why they went separate and went back to each person in their own place you know, playing their hits for their fans. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe an inkling that they went back to the separate was because of the lackluster? Um, I say lackluster because of me. I'm I'm being you know subjective, uh, objective, right? Because I you know Ashanti was around when I was coming up in college. You know, high, late high school, college. So you know, she had all her hits with you know the Murder Inc. Murder Inc. Right, Ja Rule, J Lo, yeah. Right, but when Keisha Cole came around, I wasn't checking for her like at all. Right, and I'm Mm. again personally, I'm putting my own personal into this. (laughs) I'm thinking a lot of people was that way as well. So maybe they were like, "All right, this ain't the type of crowd that we can." you know, commercialized like we could with a Gucci man and Jeezy and with a Beanie man and Bounty Killer and with a Monica and Brandy. This is just Ashanti and Keisha Cole. So let's uh, separate for this one. And then when we get a new people, uh, then we'll go back to making this grand presentation. <laughs> no, I don't think so because they had, they were going to do, they had the whole in-person setup. For the original one. Oh, they were okay. Going to okay. Do. All right. All right. So, me being and petty. so like I said, <laughs> yeah. So the, the day of the whole, when it was supposed to go down, that's when they canceled it. Gotcha. Because they did actually um, a video with the two ladies. Okay. And right. Keisha Cole was ready. She was in like her full makeup. I mean, it literally was canceled like right that before day. Yeah. it was time to go on. Okay. Um, and she was dressed in and ready to, you know, gotcha, do it. Gotcha. So they they had the they had the setup because it was canceled like same day, I think. Okay. Um, so yeah, so yeah, no, that's just you being petty. <laughs> <laughs> I can admit it. I am self aware. I wasn't gonna try to front. <laughs> all right, all right. So for those, like I said, who are interested, uh, definitely check that out Thursday, January twenty first at eight p.m. So that's a week from, um, yeah. 
So when you're if the you day listen, after the inauguration, yeah, exactly. No, it's the the day after. Day after, yep, yep. So definitely check that out, and uh, definitely let us know in the comments, social media, how it went, how you liked it, so on and so forth. All right, I'll probably watch the tweets, but I won't probably watch it. I'll watch tweets because <laughs> that's fun. All right, all right. So um, I kind of um, alluded to it earlier today, or earlier in the show, rather, that Tim Cook went on um, CBS this morning and talked about, uh, one of the things he talked about was, you know, uh, Apple's reaction to the insurrection, uh, all that good stuff. Um, And I say that facetiously because it wasn't good stuff. Uh, um, But the reason why he was actually on the show was he was uh, wanted to announce Apple launching a new racial equity and justice initiative project. So I'll let you, Nika, kind of expand on what Apple or Tim Cook rally rather really meant to announce uh, earlier this week. Right. So if we all remember back to all the black squares that were were going on, you know, during the summer with everything that was going on with all the racial injustice and all of these companies were talking about all the initiatives that they were going to come out with to help and, you know, you know, um, strengthen divide and, you know, what they were going to do to improve race relations in this company. Well, um, Apple has um, an initiative, uh, Racial Equality and Justice Initiative, and it's a $100 million project that they have. Mm -hmm. So what they've decided to do is um, come up with this new project. I think it's $25 million. And here in Atlanta, um, through... um, what's called the Propel Center, they are um, expanding their support um, with HBCUs. We know that Atlanta has some of the the most well-known HBCUs in the country, Mm -hmm. and um, they are expanding. They already have an existing program, but what they are doing is they're increasing um, this, this Propel Center and it's in support of not only the students, but the faculty as well okay. um, in creating a virtual um, platform as well as um, a physical campus in the AUC Atlanta University Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what this will do is it will help to bridge the gap and give students of color, particularly at HBCUs, better access to Apple and to you know, a, a diverse um, research and development. Research, uh-huh. and, it, yeah, and like I said, it's not just for students or faculty as well. So the faculty has the, the option of, you know, including their research um, into into this as well. So um, reading from the article straight from the person from Apple, it says Propel Center will offer a wide range of educational tracks, including AI and machine learning, agricultural technology, social justice, entertainment arts, app development, augmented reality, design um, and creative arts, career preparation and entrepreneurship. And to have a company like Apple back this type of initiative in Atlanta, which has become essentially the Silicon Valley of the South. We have so many different um, tech companies here. Our black tech um, pipeline, I think that's a that's actually an organization started by someone um, on Twitter. I think her name is Paris Athena, don't kill me, but it's there's a, a huge tech hub here in Atlanta, particularly in the black community. So the fact that they are bringing this in and honestly putting their you know money where their mouth is 
on this. I think it's fantastic. The rendering of the buildings mm-hmm. look amazing. It it is it. I think it's really going to lure even more tech talent, and not even just black tech talent. Once you start to build tech talent, cater to you know black people, um, other people of color, it invites other folks in the tech space to come in as well. So I think right. it's um I think it's um I think it's extremely fantastic what they're doing. And I think uh what it also says is I, I know Google um they've been having some issues when it comes to um their tech pipeline mm-hmm. and, and HBCUs. And I think it was an article a couple of weeks ago, one of their um hiring people HR manager. HR managers mm-hmm. she talked about how um, she would bring in all of this talent from HBCUs and they would turn them down. Oh, they aren't a culture fit or folks that we, that she knew had the talent to, to be in the program and they essentially turned them away. So the fact that I, that they are. And they hired uh, her for HR yeah, diversity. Specifically for that. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's great. Um, uh, that they are opening this, and not only is it being uh, this being done in Atlanta, um, in uh, Detroit, they are doing uh, Apple Developer Academy mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's it's not the exact same thing, but it's along the same lines as building upon the the black entrepreneurship that they have building in in Detroit. Right, right. And let me shout out, uh, do an extra shout out. One of the uh, captions, uh, a a young lady named Haley Bryant Royce, an early childhood education major at Tennessee State University, my alma mater, has been able to pursue new teaching and learning opportunities at Apple's Everyone Can Code and Everyone Can Create cur- Curricula offered through the company's collaboration with TSU. She will have access to additional programming, mentorship, and internship opportunities through the Propel Center. So uh, like you mentioned, yeah. it's not just Detroit, not just Atlanta, you know, um, HBCUs all over the country, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, mentors, teachers, they all have access. And like you mentioned, it goes to dispel the myth that, you know, all of these tech companies have said over the past five, 10 years, we don't know where to find the black talent. We don't know where to look. We don't know where they are. So Apple actually putting being one of the, you know, people who have decided, or companies rather, who have decided to say, look, we're going to put our uh, flag, you know, in the ground at some of these HBCUs to, you know, at the very least, if not anything, you know, visibility for then mm-hmm. companies like a Google, companies like Uber, company, you know, all these popular big tech communities that are having problems with diversity, you know, now they can't say we don't know where it's at because Apple, you know, is one of the people, one of the companies who have said, this is where they are because we're here. You can't use it as an excuse right. anymore. They know where the people are, mm-hmm. but your excuses are being snatched away for you to say that you don't know where the black talent is. Exactly. And we'll definitely include this link in the show notes because it's it goes into a lot more detail um, to what this this money will do and what the plan is. We kind of we highlighted it, but there is much more to this as well. And so we'll give, it'll give everyone the opportunity to read the article for themselves and to get more information on how you may be able to, to take part in, in, in some of these offerings that they have. Yep. All right. All right. So that is it 
uh, for the culture. Uh, we'll move on to the hookup. I've got a one that was pretty interesting that I've used before, but never really thought of using it this way. So if you have a iPhone, um, you can use the front facing camera as a obviously a viewfinder for when you want to do a video. But the best cameras on an iPhone is the rear facing cameras that have all the megapixels, have all the fancy doodads and, and bells and whistles than that tiny front facing camera that's on the front of the phone. So a lot of people want to use their iPhone camera as a webcam for a live stream, for a podcast, for, you know, whatever they want to put on YouTube, social media, their, you know, but it's kind of hard to find the viewfinder because the screen is on the opposite end. So if you have an Apple Watch, my hookup for this week is you can actually use the camera remote. That is an application that is on your watch as a viewfinder for the rear facing cameras with the higher end uh, pixels, the higher end, you know, um, uh, screen quality. Uh, for the rear facing camera and the way you do that, like I mentioned, you can either put it on your wrist to open the camera application and kind of look at your wrist to make sure you're in view for the rear facing cameras. Or you can do what I've seen people do is actually take your Apple watch off, wrap it around your phone and have it to where I don't even have my watch, my phone around, but you wrap your watch around the phone with the face of your Apple watch on the same side as the rear facing camera, and then just use the, the camera. Um, it's called the, what is it, the camera app on your Apple watch. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually see the viewfinder of the tiny Apple watch screen on the same uh, as the rear facing camera. And then you can use that as the viewfinder. So that was my uh, hookup tip for the week. You know, you'll have to play around with it to figure out how it works for you. But if you only have your phone and you don't have a fancy webcam and you've been using that as an excuse as to why you can't get online, why you can't put videos on YouTube, why you can't, you know, I'm giving you, I'm taking away that excuse to where if you've got giving an, you an out, right. A workaround. Exactly. So if you got an Apple watch, you can use the camera app on your watch to serve as a viewfinder for your rear facing camera on your iPhone to get that high end, 1080p 4k quality that you claim you can't get because you see everybody else on the internet and you can't get it so that's why you put you haven't put any youtube videos up because you can't get that high quality yes you can if you know how to do it so (laughs) that's my hookup i use and i use that all the time and it's even more helpful when you have it on a timer Mm -hmm. so that way you can kind of get your pose together or you know frame it just right so yeah definitely right so yep so that's my hookup for the week um, unless you have anything else to discuss, Nika, I think that is nope. it for uh, this week's show. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can definitely engage with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at SnobOSCast. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, you can watch us at SnobOSCast. Please, if you're watching, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all the YouTube stuff. Uh, if you want to leave comments and suggestions, uh, we're on the web at snoboscast.com or you can shoot us an email. We're at snoboscast 
at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you want to see us go higher, you want to give us some more, show us some love, you know, you can definitely do that and become a Patreon member. You can become one of our snobbists and you do that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash snoboscast for as little as $5 a month. You'll get access to our pre-show content. I keep, I've mentioned it all throughout this show. We've got a lot more content that we talked about that you didn't get access to. Got to be a snobbist member for that. Uh, you get access to the live show taping. So we, like I said, we shout out our homie Charles Hall on the show. He's actually watching us live and giving us comments. So we've actually been communicating with him while we've been doing the show. So if you want to get that access, also, if you want to get access to our community of snobbists or where we talk all things tech, whether it be about the show or just in general, you get access to that as well by becoming a snobbist Patreon. So we definitely want to thank one of our newest snobbists. His name is Rushan Brantley. I hope I did that right. Uh, when he joined, he came packing with ammunition. So he actually <laughs> joined and was like, yo, I appreciate the show. I love all y'all with that y'all doing. Can you do me a favor though? And he actually submitted a suggestion that we're probably going to implement. So when you become a Patreon member, not only would you get access to the, uh, the full show, the pre-show and the full show, but you'll also get the audio of just the pre-show in the Patreon as well. So we're going to do that because he's a member. He put his money where his mouth is. Now, if anybody on social media would have said that, we'd have been like, oh, thank you for your, thank you. Thank you for your, we appreciate that. <laughs> but since he came <laughs> with the support, we actually listened to our community and we're going to actually start to implement some of his suggestions. So in addition to that, something we, I just thought of like right before the show that I thought it's a good idea that we're going to do it. If you still want to figure out the way to support the show, but you haven't really caught on yet, you're not really sure if you like us yet, uh, you're not really sure if you want to drop that $5 a month and you want to give us what I call a love offering. Uh, if you mm -hmm. are from the black community, black church community specifically, you know exactly what that is. Uh, but to explain it a little bit more, if you just want to drop us a dollar or two or, you know, you heard something interesting and you want to support us that one time, you can definitely do that as well by supporting via PayPal. So if you go to paypal.me forward slash snob OS, you can actually give a one-time donation if you, like I said, if you feel, if you feel it in your spirit <laughs> to give us a one-time love offering, you can do that as well. Like I said, if you, you go, right, if you go to paypal.me <coughs> forward slash snob OS, you can as well give us that one-time donation if you felt so moved. So other than that, that is going to do it. We want to thank you for supporting us this long and uh, we'll just keep it coming. So until then, Peace, we out.